welcome everyone. Thank you so much for letting us into your space yes. today. We just wanted to let you know that we have a lot going on, a lot coming up. So I encourage you to visit our website, go to our coming up page and see everything happening this summer at Christ Community. Also, we encourage you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you can see more content rolling out into your feed. We hope you enjoy the message. So good to be here. My name is Mariana, if we haven't met, and I'm a part of the teaching team here at Christ Community. I'm the pastor of uh, women and hospitality and connections, and I'm so excited about this time that we will share together. Um, A few weeks ago, I got to go to Brazil to visit my family and Every time I go there, I have to tell you some story because it's so special in my heart and it's always so good to go and spend time with my family, with my friends and reconnect. And there was this particular group of friends that it was the four of us uh, from high school. We were friends uh, since high school. And there's such special group of friends that I got to meet with them. Uh, back in high school, we were uh, all Christians and it was that cool, you know, little community that we had within the school world. Uh, however, over the years since, you know, I moved here, we stayed in touch, but I heard that little by little, one by one, um, out of these four, they started uh, leaving the church. And that was something that I always wanted to ask them, and I tried to start the conversation. It's not the most comfortable topic, we can all agree. And I think they intentionally uh, intentionally did not ever bring that topic up with me because they knew I was still a Christian and I turned out to be a pastor. And they're like, let's just not talk about that. Well, this time uh, we got together and we went out and, you know, we're talking, catching up about life and how everybody's doing. And then out of the blue, one of them said, I miss church. Like, yes, it's happening. We're going to talk about this. What happened? What's going on? So I asked them, I took the opportunity and I said, what, what happened? And so one by one, they started to share. And this one friend said, well, you know, I, I talked to my pastor about some of these things that I was struggling with and it was really hard. And, and my pastor just kind of started to, uh, you know, look at me differently, and I started feeling unwelcomed, and in the middle of all of that stuff that I was going through, I just felt left out, and I felt unwelcomed, and it wasn't, I didn't mean to walk away, but it wasn't good to go anymore. And my heart started breaking. And then the next one said, well, you know, because I worked together with some of them and we were church friends and work friends. But then at work, they were kind of like starting to stab each other in the back or they were like having these behaviors that I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? I thought that, you know, we were going to love each other and be for each other and not against each other. And that is icky, that's toxic, that's not good. And she's like, I don't know that I want to be part of that. And you guys, it just broke my heart that the stories that they were sharing and all the things that they were saying, they left the church and eventually they left their faith, not because of God or any problem they had with Jesus or any question they had about the Bible or anything faith related at all. They left the church and they left Jesus because of people. 
they didn't have a problem with Jesus. They had a problem with the church. And the more I started thinking about it, I'm thinking, what happened? What are we doing? What is happening around us? Because unfortunately, this story is not unique. This is my story. I'm sure we all have some story. Of a, uh, we all carry this burden of a friend or a family member of, or somebody that did not have a good church experience and they went away and were left brokenhearted, carrying the weight of these people that we love, that we care about, and now they're not walking with Jesus because of people. God designed the church, but if He designed the church, then what are we missing? What are we missing in this experience? What, what are we not experiencing right now, right here, when we gather? What is missing that is causing people to just go away? How are we missing out on God's original vision for the church? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today because here in this chapter of 1 Corinthians where we are today, Paul is addressing exactly these kinds of relational troubles that people were having. They were splitting up. This church was on the verge of splitting up. They were dividing. They were not at all creating a healthy relational environment in there. And Paul is talking to the church about the church. And I want to hear and say, what is it? What is it that God has to say? Because Paul is going to now in this, uh, uh, these verses we're going to look at, he's going to paint this picture of God's heart for us. So you guys, this is what God meant. This is the vision for the church. This is God's heart for the church. And he's not going to talk about the what to do or how to do great relationship. No, it's the why. Why church? Why does it even matter? Why should we even care? Why is it relevant for us to redeem what the church was supposed to be that maybe is not so much anymore? Why does God care about the church? So let's open our Bibles. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, we're on chapter 3, Verse 16, your Bible or Bible app, let's read what it says. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. What a beautiful, refreshing vision of what God intended church to be. Notice the vision that Paul describes here, how different it is from what my friends experienced. And Paul describes two core themes that we're going to be looking at today that are two specific aspects about the church that we often lose sight of. And the first one is that we are the dwelling place of God's Spirit. It says here, don't you know, you yourselves are God's temple. God's Spirit dwells in your midst. 
And when he says here that you yourselves are God's temple, that that you is the plural you. That's why the translation says you yourselves, because it would probably be like you all, you know, the you, you guys, you together, all everybody. That's the you. Because later uh, in chapter six, we're going to see that Paul talks about us being temples as individuals. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying plural you, you all, you guys together are the temple. You together are God's temple. And and remember and keeping in mind too that he's saying you are the temple, the people. He's not saying the building is the temple. He's not saying the institution is the temple. He's saying the people together are God's temple. And that's the same for the word church. I think it's so important that we have this, the clarity of these terms. When we talk about church uh, in the Bible, biblically speaking, church doesn't speak about the organization. It speaks of the assembly of the believers. We're getting together. If you're together with your your friends, with, with your small group, that's church because it's God's, Jesus' followers together. That's church. Church, not the organization or institution. And so uh, back in that culture, right, back in Corinth, they were uh, surrounded by temples. Okay, so let's talk about temple here for a second. They had temples for all these other gods, and they they got it. They, they got what temple is. So when Paul says, you guys are a temple, they're probably going, whoa, that's a big statement, Paul. You know, and from Paul saying that, Paul, he used to be a rabbi, and a rabbi that made a decision to follow Jesus. Before a rabbi, all that, all that was in Paul's mind when he says temple is that grand structure in Jerusalem. There's nothing else in Paul's mind because the temple was a huge deal. And my kids were asking me, mom, what are you preaching on this weekend? And I said, I'm preaching on the the verse that says that we are God's temple. And they go, what? You're going to preach about temple again? And I feel like three out of four times that I preached this past year, it was about the temple. So here we go again, because we, in our culture, okay, in us here in this room today, we don't grasp, right? Can we just be honest? What it is that being a temple means. It's not part of our daily lives. And we have to kind of see the backstory a little bit. What it means when Paul says that we are the temple. The temple was the symbol of God's very presence among the people. God's heart desire to be with people was represented by that temple. And this goes way back since the garden, because when God created heavens and earth, it says, you know, heaven is the place where God dwelled. Earth was the place where creation and men and women dwelled. And then there was the garden. And that garden was that first place where heaven and earth intersected. And it was that sacred place where God and people were together. And that is what God created because that's his desire. His desire was never to say, all right, I made this. Here you go. Good luck. He wants to be with. He wants to be involved. And he created that sacred place for us to share together. Except sin comes in, the, in that 
picture embraces that wholeness, that relationship, that togetherness, that shared space that we had with God. However, if you search in the Bible, God dwells with us. You're going to see dozens of verses that God is promising from that point forward. He's saying, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to dwell with you again. I'm going to restore that thing that was broken. I'm going to be with you again. I'm going to dwell among the children of Israel. I'm going to make my dwelling place among you because God's heart was desperate to make that place again where we could be together. And that was what he was promising over and over again until we fast forward to when people were in the desert and God gives them the instructions to build the tabernacle. And oh my gosh, it gives me the goosebumps, you guys, because the tabernacle was that place uh, where the Bible says the glory of the Lord came, the presence of the Lord came. And then all the tribes, can you imagine all the tribes, okay, of Israel, they were surrounding the tabernacle. They all pointed to the tabernacle because they knew that's the center of who we are. That's the center, the focus of our lives. And, and the Mo Moses and Joshua's passion for the presence of God is so inspiring because once you experience the present. They say they go to that tent of encounter, the tent of encounter. They encountered the presence of the Lord. And after you taste that, not just talk about that, when you taste that, you don't want to go another day without it. And Moses was desperate for that place of encounter, the place where the presence of the Lord was. And he says uh, in Exodus uh, 33, he says, God, in this uh, context, he turns to God and says, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? I don't want to go anywhere where you're not. What's going to make me different? What makes me different is that the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, is with me. And your presence is what matters. And then they get to Jerusalem and God gives them the instructions to build the permanent temple, the permanent place where everybody in Jerusalem, you get to Jerusalem, that's the first thing you see. It's this majestic structure that you couldn't miss that said, God is here. Our God is in our midst. And that's his presence right there. That was God with his people. And that was the place where they would come and bring the sacrifices. And that's the place of uh, redemption, the place of forgiveness, the place where they were together with God again, where they were whole again, where there's life. The temple was once again the center of the nation of Israel where they all came. They all came from all sides because they wanted to be in the presence of the Lord just as much as the Lord wanted to be with them. And God has made these movements time after time. I want to be with you. I want my presence to be among you. And it gets to the point of Jesus when God puts on flesh 
and he comes with, he's in the middle. He gets out of the temple. He's among us. And Jesus is called Emmanuel since the prophecies that God is with us. Our God is a God with. This is the story of God's presence pursuing us. And Jesus said, okay, but I'm going to leave. But don't worry. It's better that I leave because then I'm going to leave my spirit. I'm going to send my spirit. And then no longer I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. And that's going to be even better. So that brings us to this point when then Paul turns to the congregation and says, you guys together are the temple. You guys together form this place where heaven and earth collide, where God and man are together. This sacred place of, of wholeness, the place where God and man are enjoying that close relationship and togetherness that we have been dreaming of from the beginning we together form this temple. And this is not an analogy. It's not just a symbol or a picture. This is what all the prophecies were pointing to, to this moment in time where God dwells in our midst. It is now in our gathering, the place where God chooses to be together. And it's interesting because you can read in the Bible, all the descriptions of when God was giving instructions for them to build the tabernacle and to build the temple, and there's the materials and the measurements and all the different particular things that God wanted them to use because God cares about his place of dwelling. And then now, if our togetherness builds this majestic, holy, sacred place, which is his temple, then we can for sure know that God really, really cares about how we're doing this if this is the place that he chose to be. When we're together, we see God moving. We see his presence come. And then later, Paul, he will say how, you know, he's giving gifts to us. We're going to see later in this letter. And it's through our togetherness that we can exercise all the things that God dreamed for us. He's restoring all the things that he wants for us to experience. And this is the first big inspiring aspect of God's vision for us at the church, for us as a church. He says, don't you know, you are his temple. The way that we're conducting our lives is that compatible to the fact that together we form his temple. We, when we gather, we are building this temple and this place where his, his spirit dwells among us collectively. The second aspect that we see in this passage that is an uninspiring uh, aspect of God's vision for the church is that the church is a place of relational connection Let's go back to uh, verse 17. 
if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. God's temple is sacred, and God will destroy. His heart is to get rid of anything that would destroy this community, this gathering, this togetherness of his people because he has zeal for his temple. We saw back when Jesus came that uh, when he went to the temple and he saw all the things that the religious leaders were doing, selling, making business for their own profit and uh, defiling the temple, corrupting the sacredness of the temple, Jesus turned the table, he confronted them and he's like, this is not okay. That anger, that zeal that Jesus had toward the physical temple is the same zeal and passion that he has about our relationships. Our relationships within the church really matters for God. And uh, strong communities are not a bonus thing for God. It's a core thing. The church is at that place for that kind of relational uh, connection. And it breaks my heart when people walk away like my friends did experiencing something completely different than what God's heart was for his people. And instead of us hosting the presence of God and being that attractive community, we're repelling people by uh, unhealthy choices in these relational connections. It says here, you together are that temple, which is again the breakdown of that plural you, you together. So it's not you alone. It's not us alone. So in the context of relational connection, I just want to highlight this word together and not alone. Because being alone was actually the very first uh, problem described in the Bible. Even before the first sin, we read that God created whatever, and that was good. He created the next thing, and that was good. He created something else, and that was good. And then he saw that man was alone, and it was not good. It says, um, the, the, um, where's the scripture? Is it on the screen? Thank you. It, that it is not good for men to be alone. It's that simple. It is not good for men to be alone. And that word alone, I love that word because it's super poetic. It's, it's the same word used for a single branch of a tree. It is not good to be just a single branch outside the tree. What's the point of a branch on the ground, disconnected. It is not good for men to be that. And he's not just talking about uh, marriage. He's talking about that state, that state of disconnection, that state of not belonging. Belonging to the whole is such an important thing. And that's the first thing that God points out. Mm, that is not good. It is not good for men to be alone. 
And maybe that wasn't necessarily uh, the problem in Corinth that we know that they weren't struggling because they were alone. They were struggling because of all the jealousy and quarreling and all the unhealthy relationships. But maybe for the church here in America, could it be that that is one of our biggest enemies right now that is causing this disconnection? And this lack of us experiencing God's vision for us as a church. Gosh, I talk to people all the time sharing about how they're feeling lonely. Research shows 60% of Americans are lonely. What is happening when we most need help, when we're most in need, that's when, when we would need people the most, is when we choose to isolate ourselves. Why is it that our default is to just be autonomy? You know, there's this, this autonomy and independence and self-sufficiency. Is that growing enough in us that we're missing this beautiful, interdependent, thriving community of a whole tree with the branches connected instead of us disconnect as disconnected branches trying to do our own thing. And a lot of times we see that when people choose, well, relationships are too hard. Maybe I'll just try to go alone. Life is hard, but we cannot do it alone. Just this week, a few days ago, I was having a very hard time just wrestling with all of this mom guilt, guilt. Mom's out there. I'm sure you understand me. It's like, I'm failing my children. I'm not doing a good job. I'm not being a good this. I'm not being a good that. And I was just in this dry, desperate place. And I was praying. It's like, God, this is crazy. Get me out of this place. And I just, I just couldn't. I was drowning in these thoughts. And then I talked to a friend here, and she started speaking truth over me, and she started speaking encouragement over me, and she started speaking all the things that I needed to hear that started to turn my attention back to what is good, to what's true, to what's honorable, to what's lovely. And I couldn't just manage to do that on my own, but together, Together, God's Spirit moves, and there's this the beauty of relationships that God knows how much we need that. But there's an intentionality. Being together, like this verse says, all together, together, you're God's temple. It's not just a matter of showing up. If you just show up, that's a Physical proximity, that's not togetherness, right? You need to take that step forward of connection. You have to invest, you have to pursue. And a lot of times, you know, we just sit and wait and we're like, why do I not have friends or not good friends or not many friends? And that the famous advice, right? Why don't you become the friend that you want to have? Why don't we take that first step? There's intentionality involved. And our live stream people, actually, they're such amazing group. Our live stream friends, they have reported, you know, over and over when I talk to them, how much they have been able to experience this level of connectedness, even though they're not even physically together, because they're being intentional on the chat and they're 
they're like talking during church and they're sharing their lives and they're saying, wow, I never actually felt so connected like I do in the live stream. The challenge is not just to show up, even though showing up is a great first step. We have to be intentional to cultivate cultivate relationships among us if we want to see this strong, thriving community. There's the lack of relationship in the world of loneliness. There's the bad relationship, which is what Paul was dealing with. And then there's the healthy, thriving, vulnerable, open, together relationship that we're shooting for. When my friends in Brazil were sharing that uh, about their problems, um, I was, yes, of course, brokenhearted. I just started crying that they had been hurt and let down. That's too bad. That should not happen. Okay. But I just want to remind all of us that in any conflict that we have, there's the flip side of the story, right? In any conflict. So what they faced, they had 50% of the responsibility of, now what am I going to do with this? And it breaks my heart. The flip side of the story is that as much as it breaks my heart that people would uh, rise up to be barriers instead of blessing in people's spiritual journey, it also breaks my heart when we allow people to be barriers in our spiritual journey. There's a choice to be made, and I know it's not easy. If you are here today and maybe you have been that person hurt by somebody, disappointed by somebody at the church, I highly encourage you to talk to somebody, to go seek prayer. We have our Hope Abounds ministry, which is this uh, to seek forgiveness, to release forgiveness in these areas of our lives where we're feeling stuck and not experiencing fullness because of this lack of forgiveness and things that are holding us uh, back. The verse, the scripture goes on and it says, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think that you're wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. Paul kind of starts tying it all together after he presents that we are the place where the Spirit dwells. We are the place that it's all about together, you together, okay? He's like, do we understand it all? Okay, let me wrap up all the things that I've been talking in these past three chapters and say, That's God, that is God's wisdom. The world doesn't operate this way. God's wisdom is about the others. It's about investing. It's about pursuit. It's about togetherness. It's about health in our relationships. So can we just be done with this topic of the broken and unhealthy relationship? You together are God's temple. So live like it. Honor it. Value it. Embrace this identity 
of what God has created and the wisdom of the world will only crack God's vision of our togetherness. And he ends by saying, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. All is yours and you are of Christ. Can we reset our compass here? Can we reset what we're depending on, what we're focusing on, or what we're pursuing? When we're behaving in this way of brokenness, we clearly need to be reminded, you're roaming without direction, you're God's temple. Remember, when disappointments happen, it's because we're putting our dependence in other things and not the Lord. We're gathered today. We're gathered as a church, not because we're, we're centering around an idea or a hobby or um, a, a philosophy or none of that. We're gathered surrounding the presence of a person. This is all about a person while we're gathered together. All things are yours, and you are of Christ, and we are this temple gathered around the presence of God who is alive, who is real, and who is here. And if we would just remember that that's the reason why we gather we gather around a person just like the Israelites gathered around a tent and a temple. We're here surrounding the presence of God in our midst. How can we honor this mind-blowing reality that our togetherness and our connection creates the temple where he lives? My kids um, went to the student's mission trip last week, uh, two of my boys. And it was the first time that they got to go. And for different reasons, it finally worked out for them to go. And they're super excited. And um, for me as a mom, when they came back, I was so anxious to hear what kinds of things they would highlight, right? What was the, what was the most exciting thing that they experienced? Was it the, the way that they, they served, the, the people that they served, or the, the fun places where they went, or the friendships that were created? I was super anxious to hear all the stories. And so when they came back, and I asked, all right, tell me the highlights. And they said... The greatest moment of the entire week was on the very last day, on the, on the last night, where the leaders came and washed our feet. Here's what happened. Those kids had spent that week together serving and giving and getting dirty and getting sweaty. And at the very last moment that they were together, their leaders came to them and sat down at their feet and washed their feet and blessed them and encouraged them and prayed for them and affirmed them. And I asked my son, Luca, what was, what was it like? What was it so significant? 
and he didn't have vocabulary to explain. But I could see in his eyes what that experience was for him. They were together as a church, and he said, Mom, I saw God in them. And not just in that moment, all throughout the week, the way that they loved, the way that we were connecting with each other, everything that we experienced, I saw God in them. And I experienced God in a new way that I hadn't before. You guys, this generation is getting it. They're getting it. They were locked to arms doing this thing for Jesus and growing in their, as they were growing in their relationship, they were experiencing the move of the Spirit among them because of that relational connection that they created as a church. That is church. That is God's dream. That was God's design, and they got it. They experienced and say, yes, it is all about God's desire to be together with us, His presence with us, and His desire that we are together with one another. It's all about the togetherness of us with God, us with one another. And his spirit goes alive in that place because he's like, yes, this is my dream. This is my vision. This is my home. And they saw all of that in their experience. That church is the place where God's spirit dwells. And church is the place for that such uh, thriving relational connection. His presence in, uh, is in our midst. We are God's temple. God's temple is sacred. And let's not forget that together, together with one another, together with God, we are living God's dream for His church. Let's pray. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to have this time in this posture of prayer where we want to open our hearts to the presence of God here with us. And if you feel comfortable to do so, I invite you to put your hands out and just say, come Holy Spirit. And we're going to wait in a minute of silence and just say, come Holy Spirit as you open your heart to him. I have a couple of things that I feel like the Lord is inviting us to respond to today. And that is, how am I experiencing this reality of the presence of God with us? 
Is it just a theory or something I talk about? Or how can I engage with this reality in my life? And what are things that are stopping me from experiencing this healthy relationship among other Christ followers today? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you or showing you of what the next step is for you? to continue to respond to what God is speaking to you and how he's moving and touching your heart right now and you can stay in your seat or you can stand or sit down or you can come here to the front where we're going to have our prayer team uh, and they would love to just pray alongside you they're not going to ask you any questions they're just going to bless what God is doing. And if they have any word or any picture, they will share with you. But feel free to come to the front as we continue to respond to the Lord. Hey, friends. So wherever you're at coming out of this message, um, if something moved you or uh, spoke to your heart and you want to talk about it or you need prayer, we are here for you. You can go to our website. We have a chat button on there. There's somebody there all the time that would love to pray with you and love to talk to you. Again, <clears throat> like and subscribe so you can get more content in your feed. Um, and we will see you next time.